Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 Do you have a plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. The benefits of being a reader enhance every moment of our life from the moment a child is born. Reading is an absolute essential activity. So today's show is going to absolutely focus on how to grow readers for a lifetime of success. The miracle moment for today from Be The Star You Are is to be a leader, you must be a reader. Read, lead, succeed. Hello, Power Partners, and welcome to our information playground this is star style be the star you are and we are brought to the airwaves under the auspices of be the star you are charity i am your host your personal growth coach my name is cynthia bryan and i am here to help empower you and today it is really all about helping you be the best reader possible and passing that gift on to others Besides talking about how to raise readers, and that's just, you know, uh, including having your own children or working with kids, we also are hoping to get to talking about financial literacy because it's very, very important that besides being a reader that we learn how to handle our money. And many, many people, um, you know, they don't teach that very much in school. So how do you teach your children the importance of financial independence? Are they financially literate? And we want to talk early and often about that. So we're going to talk about that today. And then we're going to do just a very little bit of a quick segment on the power of a smile because it has been documented by activists and singers and authorities everywhere since time immortal that When we feel great, a smile comes to us naturally, and we're going to find out why is smiling so good for your health. So thank you for joining me. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about reading. Well, the benefits of reading at every stage of a a child's development are so well documented. You know, happily raising a reader is fun, it's rewarding, and it's relatively easy. And you can start very, very early. Now, here at Be The Star You Are, we are a literacy and empowerment charity. And so our goal is to help people uh, be more literate and to 
help them become great readers, but most of all, to also enjoy reading. So if you've let reading slide to the margins of your life, this is the time to bring it back. You want to make space and time for books you read for yourself and books you'll read with your children. And now that it's summer, what better time to read books? So you really do have to be a reader in order to raise a reader. Now we've got to start with babies, right? Baby books are an absolute necessity. Now you might think you're off the hook with books until your baby is, you know, walking, but that's not true. Uh, I was reading to my baby before my babies were even born. And newborns benefit from the experience of hearing stories. And, of course, the good news for you is they can't uh, complain that they don't like your books. But they want to hear the sound of your voice. And you can take advantage of this by just reading out loud every day. Any book at all. You can read anything to a newborn. It could be a cookbook, a novel, a parenting manual. The content doesn't matter. But what matters is that sound of your voice, the cadence of the text, the words themselves. All research points to the fact that the number of words an infant is exposed to when they're an infant has a direct impact on language development and literacy. But here's the catch. The language has to be live, in person, and directed at the child. You can't just turn on the TV. You can't just put on an audiobook. That doesn't count. I mean, sure, it's good to get started reading aloud the children's books that are going to be part of the children's library, but you don't have to feel limited to that. You know, the key when the baby is young is for you as the parent or the guardian to enjoy yourself. So just read out loud. One of the things that I've always done throughout my acting career is because we have to do something called cold reading on auditions, which is you're given, you literally walk into an audition and you don't know what the audition is going to be. And you're given a script like at the last minute and you have to do what's called a cold reading. You know, basically you have a script and it's cold and you just have to kind of go with it. Well, one of the ways I was able to get really good at doing cold readings is by reading to my children out loud and using that tool as a cold reading tool. Because it's something about when you read out loud, you actually understand what the dialogue is a lot more. And then use your senses. Babies who are read to are learning that reading is fun and involves all the senses. You know, that feel of the page, the smell of the book, the visuals of the illustration, and, of course, your voice. So try it. Uh, If you have a newborn, you know, there's all kinds of books like Pat the Bunny that, you know, they have, they're texturized so the kids can have a tactile experience by touching them. And and they really love those where they can push a button or a light, something lights up or there's a mirror. Then really be um, aware of who your audience is. So with your babies, you know, make eye contact. And it may seem like babies aren't listening, but they are absorbing that experience, the patterns, the routines, and the attentive habits. And these are going to set them in motion for a lifetime. And then get your baby talking. Now, babies may start making sounds in response to your reading. And this is why many books for this age contains nonsense words or animal sounds because they're easier to mimic. Uh, For example, when Heather was a baby, her first words were not mama or dada. They were Titi, which was the name of our dog, Nefertiti. (laughs) So, 
she heard that a dog called so often that that's what she called. Those were her first words. So if your child makes a noise, respond to it. It may make no sense to you, but it's a communication. There's a straight line from the moment to your first child, um, the parent-child book. So when kids respond, you respond back. So toddlers. It's hard to overestimate how important reading is to a toddler's intellectual, social, and emotional development. When you read to toddlers and with toddlers, they're taking it all in. Vocabulary, language, structure, numbers, math, concepts, colors, shapes, animals, you know, manners, all kinds of useful information about how the world works. And what's more, when you're reading out loud to your toddler, your toddler is actually connecting with the book with that familiar, beloved sound of your voice. And when they're young, our kids all love us, right? The physical closeness that reading brings together, you know, you have your child sitting on your lap, you're kind of cuddling them, or you might be facing them and holding hands. You're helping build a very positive association with books and uh, and a really happy association with reading. And this will last a lifetime. Now, you do want to remember that you can read any time during the day and at all time. It doesn't have to be a nighttime bed reading. I mean, that is a familiar routine for many parents of toddlers. But what better way to get your little ball of energy to relax than maybe to read them? Maybe they're going to take a nap. So how about having a story time in the afternoon? And you could make sure that the uh, you know that it's soothing and not rushed and you choose some of the books that end with a peaceful a peaceful message and so that will really help your child or maybe you want to read during the day and offering books um, to the kids before they're going outside or maybe it's raining and you want them to slow down a little bit focus you know be inside so you can sit close to them and just kind of enjoy these moments of connection while it's still daylight out You may want to introduce some of your own tastes. Uh, You've been reading a long time, hopefully, and you have a sense of what you like in grown-up books. And as a parent, you have the chance to rediscover what you like in children's books. And maybe you remember some of your old favorites. And maybe you even have some of your old favorites. And then you could go to the library or a bookstore and find out what's new in that genre for toddlers. What catches your eye? What seems really a fun book? And the good news is that the best authors and illustrators of children's books aim to please their grown-up audience, too. So you can tweak the text when you're reading out loud. Many classic children's books are now considered, you know, sexist or racist or outdated or, or actually some of them are just frightening. If you look at some of the Grimm's fairy tales, I know that if you actually read from that, I used to have to change the dialogue quite often when I was reading not only to my kids, but when I'd be reading to my acting students in fairy tale workshops, you know, that they were only three, four, five years old. We couldn't say all the things that might have been in the book. And then learn to respect your child's preferences. Your child is already surprising you with independent tastes and opinions. And just as your child doesn't like, you know, something that maybe you have cooked up, he or she may not appreciate the um, the the way that you have chosen a book as much as you uh, like the book. So I mean, you might be excited about, you know, um, 
fairy tales, but your child might be all about tractors. So encourage kids to express what it is that they like and then find some books that really address that. And one of the best things is maybe to take your child to the library or to the bookstore and to let them find books for themselves. And that is really a, um, that's a kind of a fun way, you know, to do it and also to have another great outing. And the more you can make reading mutually satisfying, the more it's going to be associated with pleasure and reward. You don't want to send your child to their room for being bad and say, go read a book. That's not the whole idea. It's children's story time. Let your child turn the pages. Let them control the pace. Um, it also helps with their motor skills. And it's okay for them to interrupt. You know, don't get so caught up in being the storyteller or the reader that you ignore your child's comments and their questions. Interruptions will show that your child is really engaged. And in fact, you might um, find yourself saying, well, let me just finish this page and then ask your child to repeat the question. If the children don't seem engaged by the words, ask what they see in the pictures and point at things and invite them to you know, express themselves, to narrate the action, to explain what's going on. And you're going to find that uh, this will expand your toddler's world. Don't let them get stuck on a certain book that you're not crazy about. I mean, you don't want to deny them books that they really like, but you want to actively steer them towards other books as well. And don't be afraid to expose toddlers to subjects that they don't even understand yet. All topics, even things like, you know, anthropology, geology, art, life in different cultures, all of that can be broken down into small parts and made very interesting by a great children's book. Try this. You know, at a certain age, children may start gravitating exclusively to stories that feature a protagonist of their own gender. And, um, but Toddlers don't seem to care. So take advantage of the time to expose them to a really balanced menu of characters. And then kids like to see themselves reflected in the picture book. So if your child is a member of a certain race or ethnic minority, you want to seek out a book that would feature children who look similar to yours. And that way they're getting much easier um, to you know assimilate and these kind of books are easier to find by the way now because there are so many people writing them from all around the world and while children benefit from books that show children with different skin tones and ethnicities all children need to encounter books that present that variety of cultural traditions and family structure that coexist in all our communities because today we really are a multicultural uh, world, And so we have to expose our kids to the diversity in books. And that's going to prepare them for a life of, um, of multiculture and help them be much more accepting of people and places, things, food, etc. that are different from them. So the next would be emerging readers. That's kind of a real magical breakthrough moment when your child shows an interest in letters and it happens at different ages for different kids. So you don't know exactly, you can't really say this is happening, you know, at age five or whatever. Uh, parents seem to describe a long period in which a child can't keep letters straight or identify words. And then all of a sudden they have a really good burst of comprehension, followed by more regular and, um, you know, big, big leaps 
So it kind of seems like magic, but you don't want to rush it. There, there are strategies to support that emerging reader. So when this happens, you do want to mix it up. When children start to pick out words, allow them to read to you some of the time. But reading time shouldn't be strained or exhausting or feel like a test. And so if you keep like making them sound out words and say what this word is and pointing to the words, your child is might get frustrated. You can ask them for a few things, but try reading alternative or alternating pages. So don't abruptly restore, you know, withdraw all of your reading that you're doing to them. Being a read to is an enormous comfort, and it's part of the bond that you have with your child. So don't worry about conveying to your child that becoming an independent reader jeopardizes that time together. So you can always tell them, we're going to always read together. You'll always have your bedtime story. Whenever you want me to read your story, I will. But I want you to try to read on your own as well. Now, kids are going to learn at their own personal pace. There isn't a you know, designated age for independent reading. There's no special formula and we can't push it. Just like in gardening, you can't rush that carrot. You can't really rush your child. Uh, Many kids are reading by age four, five, six, but the reality is is that maybe only 5% of kids are reading independently at five. So even in kindergarten programs, they might be structured towards that goal, but don't make your child feel like they are failing if they're not reading. Just let them work at their own pace. And again, give them books that they enjoy so that in having it be enjoyable and fun is really a key to creating readers. Now, sometimes your child may already be under the pressure to learn to read at school, and that is work, right? It's like us going to work and having work to do. So reading at home should always be fun. It should be uh, curiosity quenching. It should be inspiring. And you should always be supporting your child while they're learning to read. So your most important job is to foster that love of reading. And you don't want to be the one that's making target marks like by next week you have to have five words or whatever it is. You don't want to do that. Sometimes late readers often grow up to be better, more enthusiastic readers. And so if you or your child's teacher you know, thinks there's a reading challenge, you have to get a formal evaluation if you think there might be some reading disability because your child might be just under stress about learning to read. I know when I was growing up, we did not have preschools. We did not have kindergartens. And so I did not learn to read until I went to first grade. And I was seven years old. So for most people, that would be really, really old in this day and age. But I'm a voracious reader. And of course, now I'm working on my eighth book. So I'm a reader and a writer. And I started later than what kids do today. As your child begins to read independently, your role is going to expand. So keep reading with your child, but also supply a steady stream of books that are appealing and have lots of positive vibes and good conversation about reading and books in general. And always ask your child, what are you reading? Make this question a big part of your life. And when your child, let them see you reading so that they understand that you love reading as well. You can ask other parents what their kids are reading. 
You can swap books. You can make reading associated, you know, uh, with maturity because it really becomes a grown-up pastime and it can be done independently. So if your child's bedtime is 9 o'clock and they want to stay in bed and read, well, maybe let them, you know, just let them read for an hour or whatever it is. When we come back from break, we are going to continue uh, about reading and reluctant readers. And then we'll also talk about some financial literacy. In the meantime, you might want to check out btsya.org and go to our book reviews. We have, I don't know how many now, it's over a thousand book reviews of uh, books for children, teens, preteens, and young adults that have all been read and reviewed by our Star Teen uh, book review team. And these books are amazing. So visit btsya.org and click on book reviews. I'm Cynthia Bryan. We're going to continue our conversation on readers. Don't go away. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. And we're coming to you live on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, I am Cynthia Bryan, and you are listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. And we are focused today on reading, because for Be the Star You Are, which is a 501c3 charity, we're dedicated to increasing literacy and positive media messages. So reading is of vital importance. We have a motto To be a leader, you must be a reader. Read, lead, succeed. So what if you have a reluctant reader or, you know, you're just visual readers? So for some early readers, a big block of text is like a giant 
stop sign. You know, children often get slapped with the label reluctant reader when really they just may prefer more visual books. So resist applying any label and instead find books that your early readers will love. And these are some tips that might help inspire you, um, you know, and inspire a less enthusiastic reader. Format doesn't matter. Many chapter books with highly visual, you know, comic influence formats, um, were written specifically to help reluctant readers and children with challenges, maybe like dyslexia. Stories and characters can be rich, well-developed, and children will still learn reading skills with these more visually driven books. So graphic novels for young readers, uh, meanwhile, have been steadily improving in in literary quality, and a lot of them have won a lot of uh, awards. So make room for comics, and that's important. I wasn't ever a comic lover, but people, you know, a lot of kids really, really do like that. So if your child is to become an avid reader through their love of comics, that's fine. No matter what, if it's Archie or the Smurfs or Superman, whatever it is, you know, it's fine that they're reading it. How about a book about a computer game? It's still a book. So if I, um, if your kid just wants to read about video games and computer games, Pokemon, whatever it is, that's that's great. And how about nonfiction? Some uh, reluctant readers are fact gatherers and they want to read nonfiction. They might want some history. They want a book on presidents or states or the solar system or animals or dinosaurs or any of that. I know those are all things that really interested me. I've always been a nonfiction lover, which I still am today. Uh, My son, for example, always loved things about agriculture and Uh, tractors and vehicles, which he still does today. So, you know, I think whatever you really are drawn to as a child, you should give your kids more of that. And don't treat books as a chore. You know, don't say, hey, if you uh, spend 30 minutes reading, then you're going to get to be on the computer. That doesn't work. Um, You know, you don't earn candy by eating cookies. So let's just really be clear Reading is just a pleasure, so don't make it a chore. And remember that it really does start with you because it's easy to forget about the demands of parenthoods, but if you want your child to be excited about reading, you've got to be excited about reading. And you can make reading a family activity. Many students have to keep um, reading logs from elementary school through middle school. Now, it's well-meaning, but it could be controversial because that turns reading into a chore. But if your child has to keep one, maybe find it, make it kind of something fun. Seeing that you choose to read can help with your child's approach to reading. And you could make it a group activity, just as younger kids like to play, older kids like to parallel read. So maybe you read together. It's a wonderful way to spend time in each other's company. You're just reading your own books. You're, it's kind of quiet time and, and you're fostering you know, independent thinking. So books really do belong everywhere. Even a devoted, anti-clutter person should make an exception for books. There's been many studies shown that the more books that you have on your shelves, the higher your intellect and the bigger your IQ. So, you know, don't think that you that you should give away your books. You can keep them wherever, on a coffee table, on your shelf, you know, next to your bed. Um, I have a whole 
a library as I do dedicated to books. But wherever they are, it they should be uh, in the eye of a child so that they could choose a book at any time. I just can't throw books out. And this is one of the reasons we have Be The Star You Are is we, we will donate books to shelters and schools and hospitals and all of this. And we get new books to donate and we also donate used books so whatever you do if you are getting rid of books you can donate them to the library you can donate them to be the star you are donate them to a shelter books um, are expensive and that is one of the main causes of illiteracy because people cannot afford them so please don't trash your books burn your books or throw your books out and books are forgiving not every book your child owns is going to be a permanent collection but you can, you know, uh, give it to a friend or lend it to a younger sibling or just pass it along, as I said. And even doctor's offices, schools, um, they would also like that. Another fun idea is you could have a birthday party swap, um, a swap party when, when your child is at the picture book stage. Ask guests to bring a wrap book instead of a gift and then everyone gets to choose a, a, a book on the way out, something wrapped. And again, I I told you that the price of books can really be expensive. But remember that your local library is an indispensable resource. And they often have storytelling hours. They have author visits. They have community events for the whole family. A lot of times there's free computer access with uh, kid-friendly games. And it's so important that your child gets a library card as soon as possible. It's kind of a a rite of passage, right? So you definitely, um, you want to do that. It's a ticket to great, great books. So there are all different kinds of books for kids. And I could go on and on about different books, but I do want to get to financial literacy as well. But just a few books that I wanted to talk about without giving names is you can get board books. These are like from birth to age three, and they're just great for the eyes, you know, and the kids get to, they're very tactile. They lift the flap, they feel the textures, they pull the tabs, they press the buttons, you know, those are um, really good uh, good books. And sometimes there's board book versions of your favorite books. And that's a good thing. Then there's picture books that are from ages 2 to 8. They're bigger than board books. Um, they do have rippable pages, so you got to be careful. They're usually bigger. They're like 32 pages. And picture books tell more ambitious stories. And then... Uh, Of course, what makes a great picture book is a few words that are well-chosen and then great, great pictures. So pay attention to those details. And then uh, what you want to do is from four to seven, those are the early readers. They use a limited number of words. They are heavily illustrated. They might be uh, poems, but they're really helping you step into reading. They're fun. They're adventurous. They're playful. And then from ages 6 to 10, there's chapter books. And children can flow right through these easy readers, and then they go right into chapter books. And you can just introduce that idea yourself. The kids usually will really, uh, re, you know, really love these chapter books because they just can't wait to find out what happens in the next chapter. But just be aware, you don't want uh, books that are too long of chapters. Short chapters are best. Then there's middle grade books for ages 8 to 12. 
And a lot of people consider uh, middle grade books the best of children's literature because they focus on the, those wonderful golden years of childhood before there's all those transformations and challenges and right responsibilities and the freak outs that happen when you're a teen or a preteen. So just, you know, look for books that are going to entice and entertain your child and may help them define their own identity. Uh, it might be historical. It might be yeah, things on health. And they could be just, you know, playful. But um, make sure that you're still reading to your kids. And uh, and a lot of these books are fantasy, of course. And then there's Young Adult, which is ages 12 and up. It's called YA. It's a relatively recent invention meant to specify books written both about and primarily for teens and preteens. And it just helps the young people navigate conflicts with authority or first serious romantic relationships. However, I have found, because uh, on Express Yourself, our teen hosts are interviewing a plethora of young adult authors. And a lot of the subject matters are are rather dark, and many of them are important, but they could be traumatic. Uh, subjects like suicide, you know, abuse, rape, those kinds of subjects. So you may want to save those books for when the kids are a bit older and can understand just a bit more. So that's just a little... Um, Uh, kind of a a tidbit about literacy and reading and getting your children to read books. And I want to seg right into financial literacy because this is something I think is really, really important Um, because money is one of the most loaded, loved, and loathed topics that are known to man. Yet, even though we use money every single day of our lives, we hardly ever stop to consider how we feel about it, how we speak about it, or what we truly believe. And if you're not exactly rolling in the dough, but you would like to, you have to understand your own money mindset. And it's a critical step to achieving wealth. And one of the first steps is really helping your children become financially literate. And perhaps you'll be helping your uh, personal self become financially literate at the same time. In our book, Be the Star You Are for Teens, Simple Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference, we have a chapter called The Gift of Financial Literacy, and it was actually written by Heather Brittany. And I'm going to read that chapter and then um, let and then uh, give you the exercise and tell you how you can uh, get financial literacy more on your radar. Kids don't need allowances. At eight years old, you're not paying a mortgage, you're filling the car up with gas, so your biggest decision is choosing between frosted flakes or cocoa pebbles. And children may not need allowances, but they do need a financial education. Growing up, we had chores, lots and lots of chores, anything from vacuuming the house and cleaning toilets to feeding the goats, mucking the barn, pulling weeds and mowing the lawns. My mom treated these daily tasks as our childhood occupation, and an allowance was not part of the vocabulary. We were a component of a family with each member sharing the duties of enjoying a home. Mom was teaching us lessons in the value of work and self-sufficiency. Childhood chores are a great simulation for living in the real world. Our parents supplied all the necessities for school and daily living. We had to work for the extras. Instead of paying us for our household tasks, Mom created a point system. 
We made a list of all the things we really wanted. Then we attached a number of points needed to attain each item. We listed prizes, great and small, like movies, backpacks, special meals, rollerblades, bicycles, skateboards, train sets, skis, or trips to Disneyland and Universal Studios. And when we saved enough points, we were able to cash in for an item with that number of points. On a bulletin board in the pantry, our points were tallied each week. And Mom was teaching us that if we worked diligently without complaint, we would earn our own money. And if we saved it, eventually we'd be able to afford something grand. So my brother and I saved many of our hard-earned points for five years. And then one day we cashed in our investment for a giant professional trampoline. Now, to a child, buying a full-scale trampoline is comparable to an adult buying a first car or a house. It felt amazing. And though it took five years to save enough points, it was worth the wait. It taught us invaluable money-saving skills and, more importantly, the value of having a work ethic. I took this knowledge into my teen years, and as soon as I was allowed a work permit, I got a job. I opened a savings account at the local bank where I deposited my bi-weekly paycheck. It felt really good not having to ask my parents for money when I wanted something. It also felt really great that I had ownership of certain items because I had earned the money to buy them myself. And then by the time I went to university, I had almost saved enough money to fund my college education independently. I applied for part-time jobs and continued to work to supplement a simple lifestyle. Now, research suggests that students who work at least 15 hours per week actually do better in school than peers who don't have a job. Even though it's tough at times to juggle both work and school and the government takes a big chunk of your salary, I always felt proud knowing that I am capable of being self-supporting. I budget and I prioritize purchases. Making my own living teaches me responsibility and offers a sense of achievement. Taking advantage of coupons and discounts stretches my meager wages. So many young people I know feel entitled to money and possessions and expect their parents to foot the bill. It may have begun with receiving an allowance for not having to do anything but just be alive. To me, that's not a good model for success. It would be great to think that money and all the challenges it brings are not important. But most decisions we make are, in fact, centered on our finances. Not a day goes by when we're not called upon to understand basic math. Are you learning the arithmetic you need to survive in the world? No one in my high school ever explained how credit cards worked or how a person attains good credit or defaults with bad credit. How about you? It may be time to go back to basics to educate yourself to become financially literate because money matters. My mom started working and saving when she was a child, and she instilled the same kind of ethics in me. And although I still have much to learn, I am on my way to being financially independent because of the skills I garnered as a child working on a point system. And over the years, my brother and I earned everything on our list. And today, we are grateful that the money we've accrued has arrived the old-fashioned way. We earned it. So the exercise from the book is called Dollar Signs, and it says, talk with your parents about opening a savings account for you. Don't ask for or expect an allowance. Instead, offer to earn your dollars with specific chores. Take up babysitting, gardening, dog walking, sign making, or small jobs around the house or in your neighborhood. Deposit a minimum of 75% of what you earn in your savings account. 
clip coupons, write a budget, start your financial education today and learn as much as possible about investing in your future. It's never too early or too late to start saving. You'll have the satisfaction of independence and you'll develop a work ethic that will take you far in life. And as Benjamin Franklin said, a penny saved is a penny earned. So that's what Heather wrote about uh, saving and talking about her childhood uh, growing up and what she did. And, you know, it's really amazing how when you do save and save and scrimp and really work hard, you can achieve what you want. Today, she is um, a proud homeowner. And that's a very exciting thing when at this point, you know, you can actually buy a house. It was like buying that trampoline. So there's some other things that we're going to talk about here on financial literacy. A personal finance advice usually centers on the concrete steps that you take with your wallet, your portfolio, and your career to build the wealth you need for the life you want to lead. You can't focus on the steps unless and until you're in the right frame of mind. So you really have to come to grips with what it is that you want in your life, and then you'll figure out a way to get there. And, and we're talking about doing it by earning it. So here's how to hone a few things. Number one, you want to focus on the why and not on the why not. Nobody gets to the top of the mountain without falling on his or her face along the way a few times. The trick to getting back up and staying the course is to place your focus on why you want to get to the top in the first place. So instead of focusing on the reasons you fell and how hard it is to get back up or whatever, we live in such a fearful society that trains us to focus on everything that can and will go wrong. So we got to retrain our brains to focus on the um, what can go right. And, you know, it takes a real conscious effort. So we want to get specific about why we want more money. And it's not enough to say, I want more money. We have to say, I would like to earn a dollar more an hour or $100 more a month or whatever the amount is. To say, you know, if you ask a millionaire if they want uh, more money, they may say, yes, I want more money. But what's more money? A penny more is more than what they have. That maybe they need, they want to go to a billion. So you have to be really specific in saying what it is you want in order to achieve financial financial success. You have to secondly see fear as your friend and not your foe. So if you want to trade in your current financial reality that perhaps doesn't have very many dollars in it, you have to take that leap into the unknown, and you'll probably have to do it over and over again. And it stands to reason that if you want to change your life, you're going to have to do things differently. The problem is few things scare people more than the unknown. And that's where stocks, investing in stocks and bonds come in is, you know, you want to buy low and sell high, but nobody knows the future and nobody knows when that can be. So if you want to get rich, you have to let fear lead your, lead the way. You have to find yourself getting scared. Well, use that as a clue that you're on the right path. So transform your financial reality into taking some risks 
measured risks, I want to say, and then great leaps into the unknown, which is terrifying. But then you're probably in the right direction if you are a little bit scared of where you are going. Then create your own reality. Don't just be a victim of it because you do have the power through your thoughts, beliefs, and actions to create your own reality. So whatever environment or circumstance you currently find yourself in, it's not your reality, but it's rather your temporary situation. And think of it that way. Your reality is whatever you decide it's going to be. Now, if you have a couple of kids and you're working, you know, 80 hours a week for a minimum eight, uh, minimum wage, you have debt mounting up and you, uh, you know, you feel like your house is just made of clay and duct tape. You can choose to focus on what you hate about your situation and then believe that you're trapped in it. Or you can focus on what you can do to transform your life. So imagine the specifics of a new reality that excites you. That's what Be The Star You Are is really all about, is seeing the future that you design with you in it and what do you want because as I've said many, many times, what you think about and talk about will come about. And yes, there are tragedies and things that happen that are, are beyond our control. But when we train our thoughts, our words, our beliefs on a new reality, and then we take action to make it come to fruition, it's really interesting how the opportunities and people who can help us show up. And we can alert everyone who stands in our way that you are looking for a more lucrative uh, way to improve yourself, a better job, better education, more love. You just want to surround yourself with successful people and um, leap largely into the unknown. Now, when we come back from the break, we'll do a little bit more on this financial literacy and this this um, empowered thinking in order to help you get where you want to go. And at the same time, we're going to talk about the power of a smile. So stay with me. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be right back. Be the star you are. The star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. There's an old saying that says, fools learn nothing from wise men, but wise men learn much from fools. Wisdom is a gift that can have a tremendous impact on your success. Most people think wisdom only comes from old age, but that is not true. Wisdom comes from a willingness to be a student of life, a willingness to be a lifelong learner. Wise people learn and learn that success doesn't come from a certain set of circumstances, but rather from a certain set of attitudes. To increase your business acumen, seek wisdom and share it with others. You are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profit. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. Or call 925-377-STAR to book a consultation. Be the star you are. The star you are. 
annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, we're back and we are talking about financial literacy. And then shortly we will talk about the power of a smile. But financial literacy is just so critical because besides being a reader, we have to be able to know how to manage our money. And if we don't know how to manage our money, then it, we're going to be struggling for the rest of our life. So if your entire financial focus is on sacrifice and austerity, money becomes something you fear and you loathe rather than you celebrate and enjoy. So you can um, look at Europe right now with, faced with a mounting debt crisis. Polyma- policymakers over there have focused their energy on cutting spending and little on stimulating growth. And what was the result? Rising voter resentment, slow-growing economy, making the debt crisis much more challenging. So one of the things that you want to do is uh, take a stand. So, so often when we get into freak-out mode about not having enough money, we focus all our energy on paring down, shrinking back, denying ourselves, always saving, never spending. And that's probably not a good thing because you've got to put money into the economy in order for like the flow to happen. It's just sort of a a universal um, trait, I guess. It's interesting. It's like the more you you know, the more you give, the more you get. So imagine if you put some of that time and energy into figuring out how you could make more money instead of assuming it's an either or. Like, you know, I can either buy a latte every morning or I can pay down my student loans. Just decide what it is you're going to do. Maybe you can buy a latte once a week and still start paying down your student loans. It's not giving you a free pass to live beyond your means or extravagantly, but you can figure out how much you'll need to afford the things that are important to you and then strategize about, how to get the next um, the next raise or the next next thing that you're going to need. Just uh, put money away. When you get a paycheck, don't spend it all. Always put some away into your savings. Search for a more satisfying and higher paying job. You can turn a hobby into a money maker. It's unbelievable now by when you just go on the internet and you see all the social media things, especially you go to Pinterest or Instagram and you find all these entrepreneurs who have become media sensations 
with hobbies where they were just, you know, making a craft or uh, taking pictures or whatever it was. And now they have been recruited by publishers and major companies have bought out their companies, even though they didn't even have a company. It's really very interesting on when you just really go towards what you love, it does happen that the money does follow. There was a, a book of that, right? Do what you love and the money will follow. Now, um, it's easy to decide to make big changes in our lives to create a new reality. And you may well have every intention of doing things differently until it gets too hard or too expensive to do what you must. So if you desire to get more riches, the number one most important thing you can do is to decide for real that you're going to have more riches. And then when it comes time to take that terrifying leap, you know, to rent that space for your new business to raise the rates that you're charging for customers, even if it might be met with complaints or disapproval. You know, maybe you're asking your boss for a raise. You're going to commit to it and commit to plowing ahead instead of backing down and pretending that you can't have what you want. Perseverance isn't... um, is, is very laudable. It, researchers at the University of Pennsylvania and the University of Michigan and West Point looked at all the predictors of success besides intelligence in various fields. And what they found was a key trait was grit. It was that perseverance in working toward long-term goals despite failure, adversity, and plateaus in progress. And I don't think you'll ever read a, a biography or autobiography of someone who didn't fail many times in what it was that they were doing. So making money should be fun. So just remember that, and you just have to be smart about it. You don't want to get involved on scams. If it's a get-rich-quick, it's uh, it's a good-rich-quick scam. Be, be Approach it as you would anything else with knowledge, with strategy, And with research, whether you are going to be putting money into a CD, into a bank, uh, into stocks or under your pillow, you want to make sure that you are doing the right thing so that your assets can appreciate and that you will have that shot to getting what you want on earth. But make sure you write things down and become literate on what the terms are in the financial world. It will serve you well. So now just a quick... uh, a little brief thing on the power of a smile. This was actually um, written, uh, researched by one of our volunteers, Karen Kitchell. And I love it because my smile means a lot to me. I'm always smiling and it, um, it, has, it makes life a lot better. So the power of a smile, as I said earlier, has been documented by you know, activists, singers, authors forever. So when we feel great, a smile comes naturally to us. It's an outward sign of joy, of happiness, of appreciation, of amusement, excitement, and contentment. Scientists found that smiling on purpose can help people feel better. What does smiling on purpose does is it changes brain chemistry. So it can be a big help to people who are dealing with depression and anxiety. In one study, researchers discovered that people who intentionally smiled ended up feeling happy. You know, that's that fake it till you make it. When you're feeling bad, put a smile on your face and your attitude is going to increase. There was an interesting article in Forbes magazine called The Untapped Power of Smiling, written by Ron Gutman, who is the CEO of HealthTap. 
The study examined the smiles of students in an old yearbook and then measured their well-being and success throughout their lives. By measuring the smiles in the photographs, the researchers were able to predict how fulfilling and long-lasting their marriages would be, how highly they would score on standardized tests of well-being and general happiness, and how inspiring they would be to others. The whitest smilers consistently ranked highest in all of the above. In another research project by Wayne State University, they examined the baseball card photos of major league players in 1952. And the study found that the span of a player's smile actually predicted the span of his life. I found that one really interesting. Players who didn't smile lived an average of 72.9, while players with beaming smiles lived an average of 79.9. So a smile is one of the most basic uniform expressions of all humans. Smiles have the same meaning in all cultures, and more than 30% of us smile more than 20 times a day, and less than 14 smile less than five times a day. Children smile as many times as 400 times a day. So that's... That's probably why being around children is such a great thing. So now whenever you want to look great and competent, reduce your stress, or whenever you want to feel as good as when you've enjoyed a stack of chocolate bars, or if you want to help yourself and others live longer and healthier and happier lives, just smile. Well, thanks for being with me every week, every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. And I am your personal growth coach, Cynthia Bryan. For more about me, visit CynthiaBryan.com. To make a donation to the charity, visit BTSYA.org and check out all the things that we are doing. Remember, you are the greatest, the best, the most wonderful, the coolest, and you can just be you and be the star you were born to be. Until next Wednesday when we celebrate once again, remember, love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan. You've been listening to Star Style. We thank you and encourage you. Be the star you are. Be the star you are, the star you are, be the star you are, you are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.